What we'll do now, um, before we start the, the message, is we'll just, we'll just close our eyes in prayer. So, Lord, we, um, Lord, we just thank you that you are doing something in this church. So, Lord, from kids to Alpha to our senior service during the week, Lord, you are just alive and you are just pumping life into the lungs of people who maybe feel lifeless. And, Lord, that is something beautiful that we get to be a part of. So, Lord, as we just sit, as we unpack Scripture for the next little bit, Lord, I just pray that, God, this is life-giving. God, that any distractions that we may have, that they just fall by the wayside, Lord, and we can just be present with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Excellent. I forgot to say a massive welcome to everyone online. Stoked that you are joining us. I never know which camera to look at, so if I just go cross-eyed, it means that I've got all my bases covered. All right. So let's get started. I'm on. I'm focused now. I've got all that out of the way. So Soph and I were on holidays a little while ago um, and I, I realised, I don't know if you've ever had those moments where you realise that maybe you do something that isn't normal and someone points that out to you. Uh, ever, ever since I've been a kid, I've enjoyed lying at the bottom of pools. I just, I don't know why, I just find it weirdly peaceful, like doing that equalising thing, your ears no longer hurt, and, you know, just blowing little bubbles out your nose and watching them go back up to the surface. And I just find it really, really peaceful. And Sophie's like, what are you doing? Like, and I was like, I just like lying at the bottom of the pool. Does anyone else enjoy that? Oh, good. That was better than the eight. Fantastic. So there's some Christians in the room. Good. No, um, no, but I don't know why. I just, I really, really enjoy it, but I find it so peaceful. But the problem with that is, is that that peace and that calm only lasts as long as my breath is. And depending on my fitness level, sometimes that's not very long at all. Now, we're not here to talk about bad habits or what people point out to us to make us insecure about our swimming habits. But what I am talking about this morning is this idea of peace. So if I were to ask you how you would to describe peace in your life, what would you say? How would you describe peace in your life? For some of you who are parents, you know, peace might be that once in a blue moon where the kids are down at a respectable hour and it's quiet and you can turn that TV on, you can crack open your secret block of chocolate that you've got hidden. I didn't know that was a thing, that all parents have hidden chocolate. Anyways, you can crack open that chocolate and that for you is just your idea of peace. For some of you, it may be, you know, you enjoy uh, going for drives in the car. It's just the mind-numbing, just following the road, but focusing, obviously, and listening to nice music. And, you know, it's just there's something so calming and peaceful about that. For some of us here on the coast, it might be sitting at the beach. You know, we're blessed to have the kind of beaches that we do. But you see, as good as all of these things are, I actually think that we've confused peace with the word calm. It's almost like we've been sold a vision of peace, but it's actually just calm. You see, I think that we think if we were to run with a metaphor of what peace looks like, it's kind of like that picture and that saying of a duck on water. It's like, you know, it's beautiful, glassy, smooth water. Everything's happy. You know, the sun's shining. The tank is clean. <gasps> the tank is clean. Finding Nemo, anyone? Yeah. The sun's shining. It's beautiful. It's just happy. It's glorious. But as we all know, that only remains that way until the wind picks up, at best. But what I find really interesting is how many people tell me that they live like a duck. They say, oh, Jason, I'm a duck today. I am calm on the surface, but I'm paddling like crazy underneath. I just think that's, that's not peace. 
That's calm in an instant because what happens when the wind picks up? What happens when the water gets rough? You see, what I believe, what I, what I, be, I believe this highlights to us is that we, now I have to say this, all of us are in great danger of settling for moments of calm when we could have a lifetime of peace. All of us are in great danger of settling for moments of calm when we could have a lifetime of peace. And so what I wanted to do this morning was I wanted to unpack some scripture with us today. Just read, read through a beautiful passage. Um, this, this is a true story. It happened. It's not a parable. Um, and it comes from the Gospel of Mark. It's at the start of Jesus' public ministry. It's Mark chapter 4. Uh, and so, so what we're going to do is we're just going to start reading. But I, I believe this scripture is going to highlight to us what true peace is, what true peace looks like, who this true source of peace is, hashtag spoilers, Jesus. And then how we should live because of that. How we should live because of what Jesus has done for us. So starting from verse 35. On that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, let us go go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in a boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. So right here we see that Jesus is going across the Sea of Galilee with his disciples. Now the Sea of Galilee was quite a common sort of a path and a place for people to get from one side to the other. However, it was a notorious stretch of water because it was quite unpredictable and the wind and the seas at different times could randomly start to create a real bit of turbulence amongst that water. So it's helpful for us to know that. Verse 37, and a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. If we were to just go back to our duck metaphor, this is no longer duck on a water territory. This is like, this is getting a bit more serious. The peace or the calm has been disrupted. Waves are crashing over the boat. There's water coming in. I'm imagining the disciples have all got their little ice cream containers and they're scooping the water out and just making sure more water's going out and it's coming in. But things aren't looking good for the disciples. I think we can sort of, we can uh, confidently say that. But then he, Jesus, was in the stern asleep on the cushion. How about Jesus' form? He was asleep in the stern on a cushion. Firstly, I want to say this is just a humorous observation, but props to Jesus for being able to sleep on a boat in a storm. I've been in a tinny across the seaway, and let me tell you, there is nothing calming about that, and there is no cushion, no amount of cushions that would put me to sleep. Humorous observation, but now let's go for a serious one. See, the reason Jesus was able to sleep through that storm was because he chose not to worry. Jesus chose not to worry about the storm that was going on around him. Although the wind and the waves were chaos, Jesus' peace remained. Jesus' peace remained. Now, this is a um, bit of a, it's, I guess it's some, for some of us, if we can't fully understand what this moment would have been like, I picture it kind of like um, watching someone uh, kicking a goal or having a penalty shootout, whichever sporting code. It's the grand final. There's people, there's tens of thousands of people cheering all around them. And then you hear these people in that moment afterwards, after they've kicked or they haven't kicked the match-winning goal. And, and, you know, they say, how did you do it? How did you overcome that? And they just, you know, it's almost like this, I just blocked out the sound. I blocked out the noise around me and I just tried to put the ball through the goals. 
And I just picture Jesus in this moment being a bit like that, that there was this peace, that although there was all this chaos going on around him, he knew what he was there to do and he was ready to be there to be used how he was meant to be in that moment. And then we read on in verse 38, And they woke Jesus and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? So when disciples say we are perishing, it's really important to know that they're not like lawyers who have never been in a boat before. These are seasoned fishermen who know the seas like the back of their hand. So when they're saying we're perishing, you better believe this is an exaggeration. They would be going, yo, Jesus, we are in big trouble. Like we need your help. They meant what they were saying when they said they were perishing. And then Jesus awoke. And he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. See, church, when Jesus was invited in, everything changed. Up until that moment, there was great chaos. There was chaos, there was winds, there was waves, there was tension. But what was the thing that woke Jesus up? It wasn't the storm, it wasn't the waves, it was the cry of his people. I think that's so beautiful and if we aren't careful, we just gloss over that beautiful truth that God speaks to us in that moment, that's revealed to us. Because it was the cry of the disciples that awoke Jesus in that moment. It wasn't the things in the world around him, but it was the cry of the people that woke Jesus up. And if we read through scriptures, if you open the New Testament, you will read story after story of people crying out to Jesus. Whether it's people who are in desperate need of healing, saying, Jesus, I need your healing. And Jesus meets them and heals them. Whether it's families crying out to Jesus saying, one of my loved ones has died, I need you to bring them back to life. And he hears that cry and he meets with them. Whether it's people in society who had been written off, who'd been given labels, who'd been called not nice things because of unfortunate circumstances, Jesus hears the cries of their heart and he gives them a fresh identity. Church, it's not the wind and the waves that wake Jesus up, but it's the cry of his people. That is just a beautiful truth. That is a beautiful truth that we read here in these scriptures. And then in verse 40, he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and they said to one another, whoa. Oh, no, they didn't say whoa. That was my made up one. I read that wrong. Who then, I did think, I've never read woo in there before. Who then is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. Now, firstly, a little disclaimer. I definitely would be in the same boat as the disciples in this. I would have been calm that the waves had stopped, but then I would have been proper freaked out. Like imagine seeing all of this unfold. It's like one minute you're bailing water out of a boat and then the next minute there's calm because Jesus spoke to the wind and the waves. That would be a pretty pretty awe-inspiring moment. But what do storms, boats, and a question about faith have to do with peace? We see, I think the storms of life will come and go, but our peace, our peace doesn't have to. You see, when we talk about peace, it's helpful for us to ask, well, what's the biblical definition of peace? 
When we talk about peace, what does the Bible mean when it speaks of peace? And it's this word shalom. And throughout Scripture, the Old and the New Testament, this is used in different contexts, but there's some consistent undertones whenever this word shalom or peace is used. See, shalom or peace can be used um, to define a smooth rock, a rock without blemishes, a beautiful rock. Or it's a wall without any cracks or any structural integrity in question. It's a beautifully made wall. It's not just the absence of war. Whoop, lost my bit. Sorry, fam. <laughs> there we are. It's not just the, sorry about that. Um, it's not the absence of war, but it's the reconciling of broken relationships. See, true, well, hello, true peace. There we are. True peace. Looked all pasty white for a second there. True peace is to be made whole and then for us to live like it. True peace is not calmness. True peace is wholeness. And when we talk about wholeness, well, what do we mean when we talk about wholeness? Well, it's to live in the way that God intended us to live. For us to live free from our sins. Now, it doesn't mean like, you know, once we invite Jesus in, we never ever sin again, but it means for us to be in constant repentance, constant uh, on our knees, constantly on our knees before God, repenting and saying, God, please forgive me for the things that I've done. For us to live the way that God had created us to live, free from our sins. For us to live in, in close proximity with our Creator. For us to be in conversation with the one who breathed life into our lungs. That is what it means for us to be whole. To live with Christ in our hearts. That is for us to, that's what it means for us to live as whole. And so if when we're talking about calm, if we were to say calm is like a duck on water, then peace would be like a keel under a boat. You see, the, the keel of a boat is so key to the stability of a boat. Um, now, for all the boaties, if I get this wrong, I just Googled it, take a chill pill. But what I believe is the keel is the bit underneath the boat that keeps the boat stable and it stops the boat from turning. So whatever wind and waves are thrown at the boat's way, the boat won't tip over or completely capsize. The keel is vital to the support and the stability of the boat. You see, church, Christ is our keel. You see, Christ never promises us a life of calmness. He never says life is going to be calm. There's never going to be wind. There's never going to be storms. But what he says is in the storms, I will be with you. That when the wind picks up and when things just don't feel like they're going your way, you better believe that Christ is there. That when the calmness isn't attainable, my peace will be. John 14 verse 27, Jesus says this wonderful thing. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. I love that line. The peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So if you want to live a life like Jesus, there's only one way to live that life. So don't be troubled and afraid. Now I read that. I hear this story and I think, gee, it'd be nice to live like that, wouldn't it? It'd be nice to live with this peace embedded so deeply in me. 
that when I went to bed at night, I wasn't being discipled by Rabbi Google or, you know, Mr. Facebook himself, but there was something deeper going on in my heart and my soul. That when I woke up in the mornings, it wasn't me going, okay, cool, I've got a million things that I need to do today, but I had this overwhelming sense of peace that Jesus Christ is with me. I'm going to be honest with you, church. The first thing to go out of my routines and out of my habits when things get busy is my intentional time with God. It's the easiest one to go because I think to myself, well, you know, it says in the Bible, Jesus says that he wants us to rest. And so, you know, if I hit snooze on my alarm, that's fine. That's a loose interpretation of scripture there, Jason. Think to myself, no, no, I'm too busy for that. No, I'll actually, I'll, I'll kind of do this coffee catch-up's about as close to hanging out with God. You know, we spoke about God, that'll do. And I find that the first thing to go in my life is my intentional time with Christ. And then all of a sudden, it's like it, it, it wells up. And a few years ago, um, I, I want to keep, you know, names and, and, and place of employment anonymous. Um, but a few years ago, I've been here eight years, so you can do the maths. Um, a few years ago, I was working at a, play, at a church called Old Life. And... Um, it's here in case you haven't worked it out. And, um, and this person um, named Michael Schmanz, um, who, who was my boss at the time, noticed that like, I just wasn't firing on all cylinders. Things that you know, traditionally would have you know, been done with a bit more ease and a bit more gusto, they just kind of weren't happening in that way. And, and I remember this beautiful moment where Michael just came into my office. Things had been a little bit tense between he and I. And it was just this beautiful moment where Michael says, hey, how's your quality time with God going? And you know, you know when it's not going well, the first thing you do is you respond with a real snarky bit of defence. Yeah, I didn't do that, no. Um, and, and I remember getting a little bit like, mm, oh, you're hitting a nerve there, Michael. And I'm like, I've got so much to do. I've got all of this. I've got all of that. And Michael goes, just go spend some time with God. And, and I did. And you know what? My work was still there when I came back. I still had to do all of my work. Um, got most of it done, I'm sure. But what happened was when I actually spent time with Christ and I, I let this peace, the peace of God just wash over me. It was like all of a sudden I'd gone from feeling like my life had to be that of a duck, that I had to pretend things were good, to me going, there is something beneath the surface in my heart and my soul that is giving me so much strength, that is bringing me so much peace that whatever the weather is that's going on around my life, I'm not going to get thrown around by it because there's something greater than myself that I'm putting my trust in. So church, I want to ask you the question, how did you come to church this morning? How did you come to church this morning when, when we think about this word peace? You know, were you living a bit like a duck? Was there kind of this thing where you were saying, well, as long as it all appears calm on the surface, or, or maybe you'd actually believe the lie that, you know, these moments of calm are about as good as life's going to get for you. I just want to let you know that there is a far greater truth that Jesus, who was called the Prince of Peace, get this, before he was even born, they labelled him the Prince of Peace. Back in the book of Isaiah, when they were prophesying about the Messiah coming, they said, he will be the Prince of Peace. So you better believe that, that Jesus is the one who is going to provide us with peace in our life. It's so hard, church. It's so hard when 
everything in us says that we need to control, that we need to, that we need to, that we need to hang on. And there's this thing with peace that it comes after surrender when instead of clamming onto something, if we actually just let it go, if we can actually say, hey, I want this gift. I want the gift of peace. I want Jesus to be front and center in my life. I want to live a life that no matter what the world throws at me, no matter how rough the seas get, no matter how wild my life gets, I want to know that there is something in my heart, something beneath the surface that is keeping me so stable, that's giving me guidance, that's helping me stay upright. 